In today's world, listeners are complex and multidimensional, and it's a little cumbersome to toggle back and forth from channel to channel trying to get your fix. We feel your podcast should be just as diverse as you. Welcome to Fred Talks, where the topics are as layered and multifaceted as you are, with a dash of inspiration and a little bit of an edge. Hey, welcome to another episode of Fred Talks, a catalyst for crucial conversations for the culture. I'm your host, Fred B. And today we get to wrap up the conversation with Mr. Eli Marcus as we get into what are the remaining tenets of an alpha tribe. So if you've missed part one or part two, be sure to do yourself a favor. Go catch those episodes and then come right back to make sure you get all the game. All right. This probably doesn't need to be said, but of course, we're going to say it anyway. The views and opinions expressed on Fred Talks podcast are not to be misconstrued as professional advice, counsel, gospel, a personal attack, law, guarantees, a substitution for hard work, a one-size-fits-all formula for every scenario, or any type of promise. It's a podcast, y'all. Come on. You know you need to consult a credentialed professional before making a hasty or significant change with your life. Don't you? Don't you? Of course you do. Now, be encouraged by the show. Be entertained by the show. Be challenged to cross-examine some of your long-held beliefs. Note, the host and his guests have strong views held loosely. Being committed to lifelong learning means that their perspectives may change in light of information. That's not contradiction. That's evolution. So please, don't come for us unless we send for you. Now that we have an understanding, let's get back to today's episode of Fred Talks. Gotta be some treasure there somewhere. So you talk about the code of conduct and uh, you cite uh, like the Jewish community or Jewish tribes. Um, and I can appreciate that. I also notice um, the discretion that you use. Uh, it, you know, like a lot of people, um, you, you talk, like let's talk about just uh, the black community, the black culture. A lot of times people are saying, well, just because you're black, I will patronize your business. Or just because you're black, uh, I will consider us as part of this universal tribe. But you take on a different posture. Um, so you're not like Issa Rae. You, you're not like I'm rooting for everybody black. <laughs> it's not blackness that you gravitate towards. It seems like there's a um, there's a caliber, there's a disposition, there's a there's a mentality that you uh, actually partner with instead. Is that accurate? Right. That's very accurate. Yeah. And I think that's probably been um, the bane of progress for people is um, they're trying. It's a quixotic expectation that we're going to have this uh, kumbaya, this massive universal code. And that's just Mm -hmm. not going to be the case. It's going to be a code for your unique group. And everybody, as long as everybody, nobody transgresses, like that tribe doesn't come over into my tribe just wandering, we can coexist and just, you know, my code, my, my tribe stays on code, that tribe stays on code, but we can't act like there's just this black code of conduct. I mean, Facebook yeah, shows us that. Mission. The dumb right. mission. You know, everybody has so many unique issues and problems and different habits and, and values and, you know, fighting for different things. I'm not signing up for that dumb mission because I don't have any power in that dumb mission. Yeah. I can't control it. When I got, when I switched from being racial conscious to being tribal conscious, I felt so empowered. I felt more empowered than I ever felt before in my life. 
because it's things that are within your control. Yeah. It's, how am I going to control another man's jurisdiction? <laughs> there you go. I was just about to say that word, jurisdiction. It's within yeah. my jurisdiction. And and also, just on a practical level, if you do the micro, then maybe you can evolve to be able to handle the macro. But you can't start off trying to handle mm-hmm. international mm-hmm. Or, or national. Like, handle yeah, the house. Starts with, there you go. <laughs> there you go. And that goes into what I talk about once you establish territory, you expand territory, the more successful you become. Yeah. So it starts with your tribe. And if you're doing things right and you're making money and you're securing the gold and mm-hmm. the, the space is being nurtured, it's attractive, it's mm-hmm. going to attract other people. And then you can expand into other territory. Many room to advance. Now, when you say room to advance, is that by, are you saying by like their, their mate, their spouse? Men need to see that there's room for advancement or whatever they're doing. Okay. There has to be some kind of evolution or some sort of uh, next level that they can see or feel. Um, so in a company, you might start off as on a certain position that you get promoted to a, a different, there's room to advance. There's something yeah. else to achieve here. Yeah. Uh, meaning in that thing. Okay. Otherwise, it'll be, um, it'll be a, a deflator, a demotivator. If it's like, hey, this is a dead end. There's no, there's right. no, up don't put a man in a dead end. Right. Yeah. Don't put a man in a dead end because bad things happen. Many their own territory. I mean, you kind of spoke to that. Is there anything else you want to add to that, that piece? Uh, you know, that's, it is, it's what it sounds like. Uh, it, mm-hmm. it goes beyond just like physical territory, mm-hmm. but men in general need, they need a sense of territory. Mm-hmm. And that's very important to the health, I believe, for a man's health is having that territory, having their own territory. Men need to be legacy conscious. I feel like if you can have, if you can keep the end in mind, if you can think at least three or four generations down and then you reverse engineer it to, okay, how am I going to conduct myself today? You, you'll be more, you have a more fruitful existence. Um, but if right. you're just, if you're just living for today, then you're going to squander a lot of time and resources and, and even connections. Is that right. in alignment where you're going with that? Absolutely. When you're legacy conscious, it really controls your conduct mm-hmm. uh, in a lot of ways. It manages your conduct. When you're legacy mm-hmm. conscious and you see some temptation um, that you kind of mm-hmm. tempted to go after, mm-hmm. but you remember that legacy, it puts you right back on like, oh, nope, can't do that because I have a legacy. Yeah. I have an end goal here and that's going to compromise my legacy. Yeah. This, this thrill, this temptation that I'm mm-hmm. tempted to do um, is not more important than the legacy that I'm trying to achieve. Men need to publicly be in their masculine frame and privately refueled, renewed, and nurtured to health and strength by their tribe. So I believe that. Okay. Um, what's the difference? If, if I'm in my masculine frame publicly, contrast that. What do I look like? So privately, what am I looking like? Then? Well, you know, privately, if you are compromised, if your feelings are hurt, if you're wounded and you need to be healed or you need to be spoken back to greatness, okay. that should happen behind closed doors by your tribe, ideally. I don't, okay. you know, as you know, the feminization of men in mainstream culture, I don't believe in all this crying in front of the, you know, in public and, and having getting healed in front of people that don't know you from a can of paint. I just think that's weird. And Can I just tell you, man, that that's also uh, a, a, a pet peeve of mine so, so this is also why you can't have, you can't treat the black experience like a monolith 
and act like everybody has the same code. Because if it were up to me, we wouldn't air any of our grievances on social media. Because even while some of our complaints may have merit, and these are real injustices, you are grieving in front of people that didn't care enough to prevent the infraction. You think they're going to care now that you're grieving? Like, hey, man, some stuff, that ain't for everybody. You know? Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, man, can we please stop? Can we, can we, can we, can we put an end? Can we cancel that? You know, like squabbling over, over, over this stuff. Like, they did you wrong. They did do you wrong. But, man, talking about it here, this is, this is not going to lead to anything. The end right. of this is going to just be your lamenting. <laughs> and now they're going to know that they, they got you. Right. Right, right. I'm, I'm, I believe in that. And, and we have to keep in mind that this is a constitution of alpha tribalism. Everybody's right. not of that alpha tribe conscious. So I, I yeah. believe the, the conduct of a powerful man mm-hmm. is very important that he's, he's in his masculine frame in, in public, in the public's eye. That's the conduct of a powerful man. Yeah. It should not be whimpering and, or show that he's scared or show that he's nervous He's got to stay in frame. Because mm-hmm, um, the moment he starts acting like, a, you know, mm-hmm. doing all the other stuff, that's when the predators going to come. And you got to get overthrown. Yeah. They're coming even possible. harder then. Many the well-balanced tribe of healthy feminine and masculine energy of nurturers and contributors. I feel like the two, I feel like that kind of dovetails with what you just said. Um, is there anything different you want to add about what, what the feminine energy brings, though? So much value. A woman makes a house a home. You know what I'm saying? A woman brings spirit to a vessel um, that a man, that most masculine energy men just can't can't produce. Um, women love children in a way that that and, and nurture them, and you know, in a way that men can't. Yeah. So it's important to have that nurturing, loving, um, potent energy from from a feminine woman. And the last one, like I said, I think we've already kind of been talking about this many to form useful and productive alliances with powerful people. Um, you talk a lot about the politics of power. And again, I feel like um, what happens often, my observation has been people getting ensnared by the binary thinking, thinking it's either power or it's morality. And so people just choose, well, I want to be a moral person. I want to take the moral higher ground. And a lot of times <laughs> their opponent that's not their priority. And so fine, you go home as being a quote unquote good person, which again is relative, but you starve. Right. <laughs> I mean, just on a practical level, if you observe that enough times, you, you can see that, hey, something has to change. I can't keep doing this. Especially when, again, your opponent is not playing by those rules. Even if that's the doctrine your opponent is giving you. Well, yeah. And it's really the way that they see being a good person. Uh, mm-hmm. To me, to be good, is to secure and advance your tribe. But for some people, to be good has nothing to do with that. Just to, to be, be good is just being a nice, yeah, to be liked and to be nice and polite. And, yeah. you know, it doesn't matter if you brought the bacon home or not. It doesn't matter if if uh, you've been compromised and conquered. It doesn't matter if your children have been made into adventure servants. Right. I'm a nice guy, so I'm good. No, right. you're not. You're, you're probably not, you're probably the opposite of good. If, yeah. if all that is happening to your people, you got to take responsibility for what for what's happening for being compromised. And not only now, okay, now you may have won the affection of the outsiders; they may like you, but your children might resent you. 
Like daddy ain't gonna come again. Mm-hmm. Right, right. They would not um, only would they resent you, but they're gonna call another man daddy. Dang, dang. And that just compounds that's the effect. Kick in the gut. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that 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 kicks it that's a kick in the gut right there. Man. We interrupt this episode to express our gratitude for your listenership. Whether this is your first time listening or you're a regular listener, we want to deepen our connection. There are a few ways to do that. First, make sure you subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. And of course, chances are that if you like the show, your friends will too. So be sure to post, share, and repost on all of your social media outlets. Also, don't be shy. Connect with Fred B on Twitter using the handle at Fred Talks, spelled Fred T-A-L-X. After you've completed those two steps, visit the Patreon page at patreon.com slash Fred Talks. Remember, Talks is spelled T-A-L-X. And check out the multitude of ways for you to support. Lastly, if you enjoy the podcast version of Fred Talks, imagine how electric a live Fred Talks session would be. Sure, recordings are great, but... When it comes to value, there are some intangibles that require you to be in a live setting to get full impact. The goal is to begin online via the podcast and ultimately take the sessions offline to do the real work of providing solution-oriented motivational sessions to impact current and emerging leaders of all ages. To get more information about hosting a live Fred Talk session for your staff, students, members, send an inquiry to fredtalks.com to get the conversation started. That's all for now. Let's get you back to the show. I, I talked about this like I grew up in a faith-based context. Um, a lot of my thinking really shifted uh, when I became a father. Uh, started to shift when I became a husband. We, we had kids two years after uh very shortly after we got married, we had, we had kids, but so it started just there. Like my priorities, you know, your priorities are not so much more about the masses. Now it's about like your tribe now, you know, and that's where my highest energy uh, goes. Um, so even though I started to have like a paradigm shift and started to really reconsider some things, I can't deny certain truths. Like certain truths are incontrovertible and they're not just, found in one particular faith or faith tradition. Like you can see them play out, at least in principle, across the spectrum. I say that to say, when I look at some of the things that you say or some things that you write, I can see, even though you're not using religious jargon, I can see those principles being uh, like uh, being underscored in your writings. I can see how what you say dovetails with some of the truth that's found in some of these uh, faith-based traditions. So what I want to ask you is, were were you aware of the alignment? Is that just coincidence? Uh, was there any type of faith that uh, has influenced your worldview, your outview, uh, your your outlook? Um, what's the relationship there? You think? Um, I, I wasn't not fully aware. Um, now I was raised in the church. Okay. Uh, and um, but I, you know, for many years I, I was actually very anti-religion anti-religion. I just, I didn't like it. I didn't like my experience in the church. Um, mm-hmm. I felt like there was a lot of trickery. Um, mm-hmm. I felt like my intelligence was being constantly challenged. And I just yeah. didn't feel like the overall, you know, doctrine and, and culture was uh, healthy. Mm-hmm. But it took me some time to understand that it's much more complex than that. 
uh, like we said in the, earlier in the call, is a different group approach, religion, the same religious, whether it's Christianity, Islam, it's, it's, there's no one Christianity. Uh, yeah. Different cultures practice it and take, you know, uh, it's doctrine in different ways and experience it in different ways. Yeah. Um, but no, I, did, I wasn't aware to answer, to answer your question fully. Yeah, man. Like even let's talk about like the way you talk about legacy conscious, not just that one liner, but what that embodies. Like there's a, there's a proverb that says um, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. And so even that, even in that, it gives definition to what a good man is. So like, you can't just say, I can't just tell my kids, I love you. And I'm not putting something in their hand. <laughs> you know, I'm giving them all this right. symbolism. No, nah, daddy, if you love me, get out there. Hey, leave, leave. Yeah, I should have an inheritance coming up. Like run the check also. You right. know, <laughs> right. You know, and I think it, it's rooted in what I call natural divine order. If you just pay attention and if you just get as very present as possible with the natural order of things, that's a really a, a natural conclusion that yeah. um, if you're here and you have offspring, you should want to empower them as much as you can. You should want them to live the best life that they can. And the only way to do that is to be legacy conscious. Yeah. Do you see that happen more often than not? That uh, when people have offsprings, they, they, offsprings, they uh, they they tend to tighten up, uh, just almost like organically without much prompting. Right. So the much, I think, uh, as long as they have the tools to do so, they do it to the best of their ability. The tools That's and the right. knowledge, they do it to the best of their ability. You know, we talked about this book, uh, "The Way of the Superior Man." Uh, another book that I got into, which I didn't get to finish it because uh, I misplaced it and I got busy, but it's um, it's called The King, The Warrior, Magician, and The Lover. And it's a book that deals with masculine archetypes, uh, archetypes and uh, characteristics and how men evolve to a mature masculine version of themselves. So it might juxtapose like you have the king, but in his underdeveloped state, he's really like a tyrant because he has this lust for power, but he's not mature enough to handle the power. Right. Mm. Uh, but under the proper tutelage opportunities and just time, he can become a, he can become a king or you have to worry all these different versions. So it juxtaposes like, um, what's the underdeveloped version of them. And then the full, once they reach full maturation, I was also recently listening to, uh, Dr. Amos Wilson. And, uh, he was giving a lecture on the psychology of manhood and return, uh, grooming boys into men. And uh, in his lecture, he referenced uh, the Samburu tribe, and he talked about how they had rites of passage. Uh, even in that book that I just talked about, one of the things, the most salient things about that book was how much emphasis they put on on rites of passages. Like it was, uh, it talked about how like they got to a point where, when it was time for the boy to become a man, he was taken out to the wilderness, and they would do all this ceremonial stuff. Uh, in the Samburu tribe, uh, there comes a time where the boy has to deny his mother's cooking, even if he's hungry, even if it like mm -hmm. is threatening his starvation, and it's symbolizing that I will only eat what I kill, and not only will I not, not only will I reject your food, but I'm going to bring back food not just to feed me, but now I'm going to feed the tribe. And mm -hmm. so, so it says I'm not just a man because of uh, time, time has elapsed. I'm a man because I have demonstrated the skill and I have demonstrated that I've owned, I accept the responsibility and the duty to provide for the tribe. But there's a right of passage to, to, to market. So it's forever in the boy's mind and in the community's mind 
oh wait, this is when he crossed over. Like we we may have looked at we may have had the body of a man, but this is where he crossed over. Right? Right. Um and I, I can't say that we have rights passages, man. Like since the Yetas exist for, you know, in the in the Spanish community, um, even in religious communities, they have like baptisms to say that, hey, you crossed over from you you died one way of living and now you pronounce to the world you're living you know, with these core values, this is what you identify with. But do you see rites of passages? Uh, if I just am not uh, privy to the rites of passages that exist, I, I'm not aware of it. You know, with the communities you mentioned, um, yeah. you, you know, they, they practice it. Uh, of course, some African cultures uh, do practice a, a rites. Do you mean within the Black American culture? Do I uh, black, well, for, for, well, I mean, Jewish men... Uh, well, let's start with the Black American culture, but maybe any culture. Right. Not today. I don't see it frequently. No, I don't see a lot of uh, people uh, practicing. But you know, the way I see it is, the more populated the Earth is going to be of human beings, mm-hmm. the percentage of conquered people is going to increase, and the percentage of alpha tribes are going to decrease. It becomes less less important and less relevant for a conquered tribe to have a right of passage because they belong to the state. Whoa. Whoa. Man. Wow. So if you're if you're expected to live a life of conquered yeah. what reason do your men need to need to have a right to passage? You're you're not the king. You know. Um you know what I'm saying? So that's, that's yeah. how I see it. And that's what makes this ministry so much more important because we don't have time. Yeah. And not everyone will make it. Yeah. If, and if more people understood that not everyone is going to make it, they would become more tribal focused than racial focused. I'm not doing yeah. any dummy mission because the time is not there. Yeah. You know, there's, there's studies out that talks about uh, how we're headed in the direction where you you know you know how we got the middle class now we're headed yes, they, they're evaporating quickly right you're either yeah. going to be rich or poor it won't That's even it. be a middle it's just rich or poor you know what i'm saying yep. Yep. so we don't have the time and the, the percentage of the rich you're talking one percent it's not less than that the percentage of the poor 99 percent. so no i don't see it now back in back in those days that was uh very important because they were on a much more smaller scale there wasn't that many people on the earth. Uh, men re- literally had to go out and get their food, bring it back to their tribe, um, and create a code of conduct. It, it, there's a, their survival depended on it. But when you're conquered and you're domesticated, your shepherd feeds you. You don't hunt for it. So it's one thing for me to walk around thinking this, right? But to hear you voice it, you know, voice this sense of urgency, it can, um, it can paint a dismal picture. How do you harness your thoughts to where you don't feel like you're raging against the machine. You know, it's a well-oiled machine. It has momentum. Uh, or is that where focusing on the tribe becomes paramount? Like, hey, I would be raging against the machine if I tried to take on the whole totality of everything, but I can't, I can't save everybody. I can only try to save my tribe. That's, that's, that's correct. That's because yeah. I used to be the raging against the machine type of guy. I used yeah. to be involved in that trauma bubble, that trauma consciousness. Yeah. And I was enraged. But when I yeah. started to just focus on me and those who were in a, who I had a direct link with, my tribe members, yeah. I felt so empowered. Um, and not only that, but, you know, we're both, we're both businessmen. 
Mm-hmm. So to enjoy the fruit and the freedom and the flexibility of being, you know, in business and, and having, um, you know, my, my workers and overseas and waking up when I want, doing what I want and having good people in my life, I'm not enraged. I'm happy as hell. Yeah. Um, with my pride, in my peace and in my space. And I'm happy with the direction that we're going in and that we're on one accord um, and that we're, we're keen to kill the gold. And I like the trajectory that I'm seeing right now, so I'm happy with the results. All right, man, I'm going to get ready to wrap this up, but I do want to talk about some of the things that you have in the works. Um, you have an app called Wifey that I think you launched uh, maybe maybe two months, three months, uh, sometime, sometime around that. Um, how is that going? What's the premise of the app? What inspired, what was the catalyst for the app? You know, what kind of, what kind of feedback you, 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 are you getting? Uh, YC is an app. It's basically a dating app except for marriage. It's for people who are seeking marriage in the near future. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're not trying to just serious date. So that's what, that's the premise. That's what basically the narrative is what YC is all about. Okay. Um, it's going, it's going well. We're getting people that are joining. Okay. Uh, we're not profitable at the moment because it's, it's brand new, right. but uh, people are joining and, um, it's going good. I got some some advertisements in the works, commercials that we're about to do roll out. Uh, okay. Yeah, it's, it's cool. Okay. Um, I appreciate uh, that offering because uh, so so in February it'll be 11 years that I've been married. So I'm a little I'm a little out of touch when I hear like I have I have some homegirl friends that will lament and um, vent about how they don't see as many cheaters that meet the criteria. Like they talk about how hard it is. And I, sometimes right. I'm tempted to think like, nah, it can't be that bad. And I guess sometimes I'm thinking it can't be that bad. Cause I know some guys hold it down. I'm like, nah, but I know these guys. Right. Um, but after you hear so much, you hear from not even just not people that, you know, you're in proximity to, but you see it on social media and stuff I'm like, man, maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe it is that hard out here. And so I appreciate one that we got a black face in tech because representation matters, but also how it's uh, solution oriented. Um, and then, you know, it's just modeling, Hey, create, create this extra stream of income. So I just thought that was dope, man. And, um, I wish you the best on that. you also got something else out. I don't know if you want to put that out just yet. I know you did a soft launch for it. You want to talk a little bit about that or we just keep that. Yeah, we can talk about that. Uh, come through. Come yeah. Through is my, uh, my other app that I just did a soft launch. Mm-hmm. Uh, Come Through is basically like Eventbrite except for home-based events. So mm-hmm. it's an event management and ticketing platform for home-based events like house parties, uh, yeah. get-togethers, cookouts, um, any event thing that you, you can think of. Watch parties or popular TV shows, movies, mm-hmm. sports. Let's say you got a, the Super Bowl is on. And you want to have a Super Bowl party at your crib. You got the big screen and all that stuff. You can sell tickets and say, yo, we're going to have food and drinks. It's going to be $15 a ticket so you can make some money off of the event you're throwing. So that's, that's come through. Um, Mm -hmm. that's an app and a website. So is it a, is it accessible now or, uh, is that to come? Okay. It's accessible now. So, so what is that? We go to the the Google or Apple store or we go to the web, to the, Uh, the website. Right. You can actually go to comethrough.com. Okay. We have a website version, or you okay. can download the app. Just type in Come Through on the Google Play or the Apple Store. If you're an event organizer, uh, 
download the event organizer version of the app. If you just want to purchase tickets or browse events, download the other version. How did you get off into tech, man? Um, I think that's pretty dope. Uh, right. Well, it was always my goal. Um, but even when I was a you know entrepreneur and, and what I was doing earlier, mm-hmm. I wanted I always wanted to be in tech in the tech game. I always wanted to have my own app. Um, I, I thought there was just so much opportunity in that game. Mm-hmm. Um, it just less risk. So I mean, there's a few criteria that I that I stick to. I got like principles in business. I only do digital products. Um, mm-hmm. I I don't sell physical products. I like digital type concepts. So like, we come through, we sell tickets, mm-hmm. and I get I get. And then another another principle is I like to get paid off of other people's effort. Um, so I, if I can get other people to take the responsibility of throwing an event, using their house or renting a Airbnb to throw mm-hmm. their event, and I get paid off of that effort, I'm happy with that. Right. Um, and there's little liability on my end. If the house right. burns down, they're responsible, <laughs> not me. So from yeah. a value proposition, I take that approach as well. I think about all of that. Man, um, I really want you to put a book out. Uh, so can you talk to us about uh, if you're going to do a book, how soon should we be getting our dollars ready for the pre-order? Um, are you contemplating? Uh, I, I think you, you started a podcast or maybe it was like a soft launch. What's, what's the intent there? And then if you can close this out by just letting us know, how can people get in touch with you? What else should they expect uh, from Eli? I am sort of working on a book. A sister reached out to me who's an excellent editor. And uh, she's been through the publishing process, so she's helping me organize uh, a book. I'm not sure when it's going to be out, but we're definitely working on it. Um, I, I did start like a sort of a podcast. I post things on my, my Facebook, it's like a podcast type format. Okay. I'm still really under- learning how I want to go about that, how consistent I want to be with it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes my schedule is very demanding. It's just easier for me to write my thoughts than to, mm-hmm. you know, I did a like a two minute audio and it took me like three hours to edit <laughs> and just, so I, I was like man i don't know if i can do this all the yeah. time so i'm working yeah. on that as well yeah. um you can find me on facebook eli marcus uh, you spell marcus m-a-r-k-u-s um that's how you can follow me and uh you know find me on there man i appreciate your time man i'm looking forward to uh building and uh now you know i got your number you got my number man i'm looking forward to uh having you know, some more productive conversations in the future, man. Thank you so much for uh, making the time to jump on. Absolutely, brother. I appreciate you for having me on. Excellent conversation. Right on, man. All right, man. Well, uh, I'll let you get back to your evening, and uh, we'll, we'll talk soon. All right. Peace. All right. As always, I appreciate you tuning in one more again with your guy. While you're here, just a reminder to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Fred Talks is available on every podcast platform. And hey, Run me those stars, fam. If you appreciate the show, say so. Log on to Apple iTunes and drop me a line about what you enjoy about the podcast. Leave that five-star review so the podcast becomes easier to find for others who are looking for something just like this. You probably don't think it's much support because it doesn't cost you much, but it absolutely means a lot to me that you would take a moment to do that for me. So thank you in advance. Hey, y'all have a great week. Tune in next week for another dope episode.